It's time for Ralph and Vicky's Off-Grid Podcast with your host, outdoor writer Pete Rogers. We're coming to you from the Hunter's Blend Coffee Studio. Hunter's Blend Coffee, defending hunting one cup at a time. Now, let's get into this week's show. Welcome back to Ralph and Vicky's Off-Grid Podcast. I'm your host, Pete Rogers. In today's episode, we have the pleasure of having a special guest with us who has many accomplishments to his credit. Our guest today is well known to anyone who has watched bow hunting on television over the past three decades, beginning in the mid-1980s. His adventures are well documented on tape, film, and digital outlets. He's the first person to accomplish what has become known as the Obsession Quest over a five-year period. He took 80 species, including the North American Super Slam, the SCI list of World Slam turkeys, and Africa's Big Six. Having hunted from pole to pole, he is a, as accomplished a hunter as is known today. Please welcome to Ralph and Vicky's Off Grid Podcast, Mr. Bob Folkrod. Hey, Bob, how hey, are you, Bob? Bud? How's it going? Oh, I'm doing fine. Hey, I want to know that guy. Yeah. I want to be like him. He, when I grow he up. sounds pretty <laughs> special. I'm thinking. <laughs> oh my gosh! Hey, I, I know yeah. you. I know you got some snow up there, huh? Oh, we got snow in Pennsylvania. We had 11, 12 inches, and I know we had to postpone our little thing before, but. Yeah, one guy got hurt. I was out plowing snow. Can you imagine that? Oh no! In a truck plowing snow. <laughs> that's that's insane. Now you know what, Bob. This is this is awesome that we get to talk to you. I mean, this is you guys. Well, you and Ralph. Heck, you guys knew each other and friends before I was even around or a thought in his head. Well, hmm. it was it was always Ralph and Mrs. C, and I talked to her the <laughs> other day, and she says she's doing good. I mean, oh my goodness, I couldn't believe I was talking to her again. Yeah. And then and then Vicky came along. Yeah. Oh, oh, I yeah. lost track of Mrs. C for a while. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's been a long time, buddy. I, you know, we were trying to think about when when it all started, and I wasn't it up at Anderson's in the eighties. Oh my goodness! Yeah, I mean, it was. I was doing uh, you know guiding, and you know, you came on the bear, deer, and caribou camp. You brought Walter Payton up on the on the caribou hunt, and yep. I mean, oh my goodness. There's, when we said we was going to do this, talk about flashing memories and talk about 38, 40 years ago. Holy crap. But where did the time go? Man, Bobby, I can't tell you. I mean, you know, it's so crazy because, you, you know, we were all back. You know, what was cool. was Well, back then it was it was it was a little family. Remember that? I mean, it wasn't it wasn't like it is today. Uh, you know, there's so many. You know, so much, so many things out there and, and the social media and, and all that stuff. But I, I don't think a whole lot of people, you know, even remember how most of this started. Well, way back, way back when you had a, a handful of industry people and you almost had to be introduced to the industry. Lee Lawrence was a guy that took me to my first shot show. And, and, uh, I remember we was in there and this guy was, walking around with this big picture album and blowing, telling everybody what he hunted. And Claire Connolly from Outdoor Life wanted to know who in the heck that was. And, and uh, he, somebody says, well, that's, that's uh, whatever his name was. I can't remember now. And he goes, uh, do you know him? He says, yeah, get him out of here. <laughs> and, I go, and then we got back to the hotel that, that night. And Lee says, that was your first lesson. He says, <clears throat> in fact, I was standing next to Chuck Yeager and Lane LaRue uh, Gritch Gresham, uh, oh man, uh, Lee Lawrence, uh, Claire Conley, and I mean, from the outdoor life. And he said, when you're standing in the presence of those kind of people, you don't need to be boasting, telling anybody who you are. And he, and he poked me in the chest and he goes, let me tell you what you are. 
you are an advertising tool. He says, my job as a writer to tell the world how, how good you are. And he started laughing and rubbing his bald head. He says, don't believe the bull crap I write on you. He said, when you start believing your own press releases, he said, you're done. Wow. <laughs> you know what? That isn't, that, if only it, things were followed that way nowadays, huh? It's so accurate. Uh, you, you know what I mean, Bob? And, and you know, when we when we all were together up at Anderson's and, and continued that on and every, you know, we were all doing different seminar circuits and, and, and I mean, it, it was crazy. I, I mean, people come from all over and, and, you know, the crowds were there and great questions, t- total personal engagement. You, you know what I mean? Well, and, and the thing was, is that back then you didn't have all the social media and stuff like that. So if you wanted to actually find out knowledge from these people, I mean, we weren't even talking emails. No. You know, no. you actually had to go physically to letters. Anderson's or to other people or send actual yeah snail mail letters yeah. to actually get your questions asked by you or you know anyone well yeah and that's i mean that that's you know that could be a plus or a minus you never know who's on the other end how many years they've hunted would they read it out of a book or you know how much time they woodsmanship they you know they spent and and to add to that uh that story about getting started when you got out of line i mean maybe notoriety was taken over and you didn't know how to handle it some of the old guys would grab a hold of you and, you know, and basically say, Hey, hey, you know, you got to settle down. You got to do this to do that. You got, we got an industry to, to, to watch out for. And you didn't take, you didn't take that as a, a bad criticism. You took that as, Oh my goodness, they're helping me. But boy, you try to correct somebody today. And it's like, Oh, <laughs> they want to throw you under the bus. Well, buddy, cause everybody gets a trophy today. <laughs> or a bus with your picture on it yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Ow, ow, <laughs> you know and, and actually back in the day too i mean look at the video stuff so i mean you and ralph my gosh like some of your first videos ralph with with bob and bow hunting western style oh my gosh remember that holy yeah and the big cameras i mean you know they were expensive and and uh and then you know i mean 15 to 20 minutes when, when it was prime hunting light in all the cameras wouldn't gather the light so you had to quit i'm like, oh my goodness sake yeah yeah prime yeah. time remember that it'd be like yeah you yeah. can't we can't and you're like what i could it's clear as day no yeah, so nowadays you know <laughs> when we got our camera guys and they're complaining that they got to climb up a mountain and the the camera only weighs you know like what five pounds maybe they got 10 pounds and, of camera equipment instead of 67 yeah <laughs> and, and it's like come on keep up with us you should be able to do this back in the day but then it sounds like we walk to school uphill mountains in the snow every day or something like that you know you start sounding like well, this old PA, person. they still do they do obviously <laughs> right now they are <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I got scabbards made for, you know, tripads that fit on horses, and I've got a backpack made for them big cameras and the extra batteries and, you know, all the sheep. I mean, I got all my sheep on video, and, of course, you know, you think, God, that's quite an accomplishment, but you had to choose your cameraman wisely to be able to carry all that gear, too. Oh, yeah. No doubt. Yeah. I mean, and think. I mean, honestly, those batteries back then were as much as our cameras now. Well, Wade. The, and the big thing, too, Bobby just hit it. I mean, it's a team effort. Absolutely. I, I mean, you know, you could, you could, you could be the best hunter out there, but if if the guy can't keep up with you, or the guy, you know what I mean, can't get on that animal, it's over. Game over. Well, that, you you mentioned the key word there. It's a team effort. When you're when you're out there filming, it's not whether you, Ralph or Bob or Vicky, can shoot the animal. It's whether you can work as a team and get it all on video. Because without having it on video, we don't have that show. So, how many animals have y'all? had to pass on because the camera wasn't in focus, the video man couldn't get it on, or 
some of those things. Pete, it's early. Why do you have to bring yeah. get us out here? Wow, <laughs> I need more coffee. I bet it's uh, a lot more than you actually get on video, isn't it? Yeah, it's there's there's times, you know, and, and and I think Bob can testify to it too. Is you know when you start just stepping away from just deer hunting, you know, and we start getting in the mountains and we start doing this other stuff. There's all kinds of other things that you know, mist, rain, snow, sleet, uh, you know, high winds. I mean, you, I know Bob, you've been on the mountain as we have, and, and even with the best sticks in the world, you the guy you can't hold the camera steady. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, back then, I mean, it was like started out handheld and then of course the networks wanted it on tripod and 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 now they make up rules where you can't shoot something walking running laying down sideways out of a boat <laughs> i mean you know i told i told the network i said you guys ought to be able to go buy stock and spandex and butterfly necks because you make all these rules and we're supposed to be able to hunt and we can't hunt anymore you know no, no. they don't want to see the real deal they'd rather see it you know fake and 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 positioned rather than you know how it how it truly happens and that's that's another thing you know it's all this fake news comes, well you got to be politically correct nowadays yeah. and that kind of stinks i've tried that it didn't work for me <laughs> <laughs> i can't imagine you know you and ralph have a lot in common actually on that point oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah don't, don't ask your our opinion unless you're ready for <laughs> our opinion and that comes from um, many many years and you know, trials and tribulations before we throw. And if I don't have an opinion, I just sat there. You know? Yeah. And just sit there and listen and go. Ah. <laughs> oh, crap. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, out of all this stuff, Bob, that, that you've accomplished, you, you know what I mean? And, and I mean, your favorite, favorite animal to hunt, what would it be? Oh, it's sheep, uh, for sure. I mean, I love deer hunting. I love bear hunting. You know, it's in the springtime, you know. Um, but if I got to have one animal that I would uh, well, go after, you know, for myself, it would be it be for sheep, you know. Yep. I had a guy in here two years ago, and he was saying, of all the animals you ever shot, he said, if you had the Lord grant you one more hunt, where would you go? And I started laughing, and I actually got all teary-eyed, and I said, I, <clears throat> we would go down to Grandma's condo and draw straws, and I'd watch one of my grandkids shoot one more deer. Amen. That's yeah. awesome. You know, when I was uh, um, reading about your obsession quest and, and thinking of, of all that that you did in a five-year period, the logistics of it was kind of spinning my brain of of – how to get all these trips and, and all these adventures lined up one after another after another to get that accomplished. I bet that had to be a headache. Oh, my goodness, yeah. I mean, you're, uh, you know, just the CITES permits, things like that, you know, and, and you know, anything that I shot in Canada because I was on a time schedule, I, I left it, you know, with uh, actually a, uh, a guy out of Alberta. So he would he would get the... Uh, all the paperwork and then ship it down. And of course, Sheila asked me, my wife, she said, what are we going to do with all these animals? They <laughs> got any more room now. <laughs> and and no, so I, I donated them back to Bass Pro and it's actually Bass Pro Cabela's now to the Harrisburg store. And uh, they keep switching them out. And, That's and, uh, pretty cool. So, yeah. That way everybody. Yeah. You know, lots of yeah. yeah. You know, and, I get down to that store and I can walk through it and look at it and watch the other people dream and stuff like that. And of course the other, they had, I had three of my lions down there. And, uh, of course that, 
that created a little bit of, uh, oh boy. you know, yeah, you when, know. but when at Cecil the same time, when, when they get into it <clears throat> and they start, you know, talking about it and all of a sudden you start showing the food that you, you had made and, and things that you took in for the natives. The last time I was over there, we, we fed 500 kids in elderly and, you know, and I, you turn it back around and go, well, how, how many people you ever fed, you know? And the, and the little snowflakes and cupcakes disappear. They just walk away. They can't answer that. Well, they, they, they have no ammunition towards it. You know what I mean? It, it's, it's all hearsay. And once we can show the facts, you know, and, and I mean, let's bring up what it is. And I mean, the, the thing that started that whole controversy, you know, about the lion, ended up finding out that it was a legitimate hunt. Everything was fine, but none of the media jumped on board after the fact to say, hey, you know what? There was nothing wrong. And to apologize. I no. mean, they ruined lives. They, I mean, they destroyed people. And, you know, again, fake news. <laughs> oh, I seen, a, I seen a good one the other day. It said, if you had a rat in your house, <clears throat> you would probably kill it. But what if that rat was worth $10,000? You would raise them. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. <laughs> we'll be right back with more Ralph and Vicky's Off Grid Podcast with your host, Pete Rogers. Ralph and Vicky's Off Grid Podcast is proudly brought to you by Alps, Easton Archery, Browning Firearms, Bass Pro Shops, Cabela's, Delta McKenzie Targets, New Archery Products. Muddy Outdoors, Cyclops Lights, Boss Buck Feeders, Hoyt Bows, Hunter's Blend Coffee, Hunter's Specialties, Spy Point, and True Glow. Welcome back to Ralph and Vicky's Off-Grid Podcast with your host, Pete Rogers. We're coming to you from the Hunter's Blend Coffee Studio. Now, let's get back into this week's show. Amen. <laughs> You're not kidding. That's what we call conservation. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's a lot of truth there. I know in my home state of South Carolina, we opened up an alligator season about, I think it was in 2011. And they took what was a nuisance animal and they put value on value. it. Value. Yep. And now it's, it's promoting hundreds or thousands of jobs. It's creating a tens of thousands of dollars of revenue, probably more than that, hundreds of thousands of revenue. And just by putting a value on what once was a nuisance animal, I mean, you have to draw a tag for it. It's pretty hard to draw. It takes about three years for a resident. Um, but by doing that, then you create value in something, and then it it, uh, it turns around. And, and as the biologist told me, if we make a mistake with alligators, it takes 40 or 50 years to correct it because they grow so slow. Mm-hmm. So we have to do it right the first time. And by doing that, it has become an enormous cash flow for the state. Wow. Well, I, I think, and, and, and Bob, between you, Vicky, and I, you know, with all of our travels up north and, and across the border, um, you know, I think, you know, like Pete's saying, and like you brought up, you know, management and, and putting value and and trying to understand the long-term process, you know, I, I, that just opens the door for a little pet peeve of mine, and, and that's the wolf inter- re- reintroduction. You know what I mean? Not understanding why we ended up take, you know, eliminating it to begin with and then to bring it back. And, you know, just let's look at Yellowstone. You know, prior to that wolf reintroduction, we had a, the herd was over 20,000. Yeah, the elk herd. Yeah, the elk herd was over 20,000. Today it's under five. 
And there's no hunting in Yellowstone National Park. And the bison and everything else out there, they're all, you know, coming down to nothing, and it's all about the wolf. You know, five years before that, we, we got a, a, a letter from the governor, and I'm talking Bass Pro Shop when we were filming, and he wanted us to come out to Idaho and do a hunt on bears and, and mountain lions. He said, on those predators, he, if, he said, if we didn't get those predators and under check, it would be the devastation of our elk herd in Idaho. And he started rattling off numbers, what the elk herd meant to uh, their 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 uh, economy. Exactly. And then they turned the wolves loose. Yeah. I mean, it was like it was like Pennsylvania. Uh, I mean, there was tents and horses and horse trailers. And everything. I mean, it was it was crazy. It was fun. And the, the electricity in the air was, oh, my God, you go out there now and you can't find an elk. You know, I, I mean, I, I, th- I think what we've got to understand is, you know, there's one thing to, to, to do it with true biological studies and research. And if you do it strictly by passion, we're, we're going to hurt the situation. And there's, there's living proof that, you know, without knowledge, the negligence is going to take over and it's going to screw up everything. Yeah, I want to know what bring dead politician passed that wolf deal, you know. <laughs> Was that politically correct? Absolutely. Uh, yes, yeah. you're right there. Yes. In, in our world, it is. <laughs> and, and now that the wolf population has got so big and strong, it's difficult to let people hunt them. Well, and you got you got all the some of the states with all those bleeding hearts in there that are still saying, no, we can't do that. They belong here. But the thing is, is that the situation, the population of human beings, all of the buildings, everything else, the territory is not big, wide open like it used to be, and they're getting pushed. Cl- look at look at the coyotes in Chicago. We know people that are actually having to trap and kill coyotes because they're eating dogs. They, we, 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 it's a fact. It yeah. is a it is a, you know a fact right now. We have a gentleman that ha- has a company that literally Dave Munch goes in and he's hired by these townships in the Chicago and the suburbs. And he's going in, and he's trapping, and he's taking out these coyotes. Now, understand something. He's got on camera the these you know folks in Lincoln Park walking their dogs on, the on lakeshore. leashes. Coyotes are coming, killing them, ripping them right off. I'm telling you, right there. Right off the leash. Right off the leash. Oh, wow. Nobody's talking about it. Well, no, because, you know, again, politicians, Chicago's not a bad city, right? No, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How many murders every day do we have out there? And, oh, boy. And one of the most strictest gun laws, you, you know, cities yeah. in the world. Uh, yeah, we could chase that rabbit for a yeah. long time. Yeah, we let's could. Go, yeah. Let's go back to Let's go talk about That's why I'm here to more. bring hey, this yeah, back Yeah, here, yeah. here's <laughs> a good one, Bob. Yeah, and, I mean, you and I... We, you you know more you so because you you got me started in the caribou stuff and then we just I mean we 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 stayed with it for a long time and watched that the up and down cycles. What do you think of that today? Oh man, you talk about a nightmare. I mean, we they've had to send you know people off to college to this. You know, I mean, history actually repeated itself when I first started when they opened up the caribou hunting for the non-resident was in 1964. In 1964 to 1980, the caribou was in the same location. They, they, they summered in the Thorn Gap Mountains where it was cool away from the black flies and stuff, and then they migrated down to the George River, and the George River had plush fishing camps, caribou camps, and then they started to eat up that lichen, and then they started to make that move across Quebec, and they continued to make that move, and then they got basically toward the end of, you know, the the 
the migration got where they ate up all the food. Instead of allowing hunters to still take some caribou, they shut the caribou season down, you know, and I go, well, maybe they should invite 50 people over for Thanksgiving and only have a a five pound turkey, you know? (laughs) Well, we could only feed a little bit of you, but we can still feed a little bit of you, but we can't feed all of you because, you know, you are going to go hungry. Instead of allowing these, uh, some of these outfitters to still exist and, and keep them down a little bit, you know, so that lichen can grow back. No, they just shut the whole season down. I mean, talk about a, a nightmare. I mean, you know, they just die quicker, you know. Oh, yeah. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. And, and now to look at it, we can't even hunt Quebec. Isn't that crazy? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you think, you think of all the bow hunters, you know, when I was running the caribou camp that went through that and the dreams that came true. And I mean, my first, first year I had, uh, actually Bob McGuire had, uh, uh, the caribou video down the Harrisburg show. And I had a 30 foot 90 pine booth with a big screen TV up on top of a caribou on there. I mean, we basically shut the aisle down. People would come by and just absolutely dream of going on one of those hunts. And when the Lord made the caribou, I mean, he made it for the bow hunters. Bow hunters, I mean, absolutely. You know, yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, I like hunting whitetail and I like hunting bears, and, but boy, you, I mean, there's something about that majestic caribou when he's coming through with that mane and, and, uh, and you can make some mistakes. And that, that's one thing about hunting. I tell people, it's okay. You know, make your wish list. What's your wish list of animals? And, you know, obviously it might be a deer or somebody out west. There might be an elk. But, and then put them in difficulty order. And through the years, you when you get back from that hunt, you say, well, how did I do with myself? You know, do a black bear hunt before you do a spot and stock black bear hunt. You know, things like that. Well, I, I think, you, I, boy, you, you nailed it just because I think today – Back when we all started, you know, we honestly looked at hunting as as a as a progressive ladder to climb, or you know, stairs to climb. And you know, we didn't just jump into if if all you've ever done was you know hunt a white-tailed deer with your bow, your your next trip wasn't to go. You, you know, what I mean, for for stone sheep. I, I mean, we, we tried to tell, and I remember you and I, all of us. Up on the stage, you know, speak, you know, a- a- answering a bunch of questions, and we've always said that it's it's a stepping stone. You know, don't just jump into you know this hunt, but gradually build up. And and I, I think we all were, uh, you know, we we all tried to tell everybody that the best way to become a better hunter is to shoot. And today, you know, we're telling people, oh, no, if he's not five and a half years old and he's not this, you know, he doesn't score this, don't shoot. But yet we have so many hunters that go, have gone out and they've never even shot a deer and they're still waiting to shoot a 190-inch buck. Oh, yeah, exactly. I mean, I look at every hunt, you know, if I go, you know, like, you know Illinois, Kansas or Manitoba for a bear. I look as bad as a, as a baseball game or as a football game where I got four quarters to succeed. In most cases, I got five to six days to put something down. I like, I know I don't make any apologies. I like, I like to shoot something. I, I, I like the success. I like being in camp. I like to encourage other people to shoot something. But I don't have to shoot the biggest and the best animal in the whole world to be successful. I, we have a mentor program in Pennsylvania. I don't know if you've seen it on Facebook. My seven-year-old granddaughter, and I start them out with little cricket 22s, and we gradually work our way up. She was seven years old, and 
to be in the mentor program, you have to be eight years old. Now, grandpa or their parents can use their tag. Well, guess what? I had to put my tag on her, you know, little five, five point buck, you know, and it wasn't the size of it, but man, you talk about Boone and Crockett smiles. (laughs) Absolutely. And memories forever. Oh my God. You know, I mean, when she's, she's got tears running down her eyes and hugging grandpa and says, Oh, I love you, grandpa. You know, and I just like, Oh yeah. Big grandpa gets a big tear in his eye and big lump in his throat. So grandpa, how many grandkids do you have? Oh, seven. Yeah. Wow. God bless you. That's awesome. Seven. Yeah. Holy cow. You, you almost got a team. Well, I got enough for got enough for a basketball team with one sitting on the sideline. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome, buddy. God bless you guys. That that's, I, I mean, if you're going to do something, there, there's the thing to do, and you know, and and that's have family, and and you know, getting them to participate and understand that that hunting, you know, like we've always said, hunting's not a sport; it's a lifestyle. And and when we all live it twenty four seven. And, you know, to, to get the family involved, it's, it's like, you know, you said earlier, I'm, I'll be honest with you, I, I give it all up as I'm sitting there watching RJ, our son, you know, draw back his bow or, you know, slowly start adding pressure to that trigger. You, you know what I mean? To put that animal down. We just we just took him to Newfie for the first time, uh, you know, this fall and he shot his first moose. He shot his first woodland caribou. And, and I, I, I was a basket case. Oh, yeah. And if you have to explain that to somebody, I mean, it's uh, you're wasting good oxygen. Just move on to the next person. (laughs) (laughs) That's a great way of putting it. (laughs) Yeah. So, Bob, let me ask you this. Uh, um, With this obsession quest that you did, uh, um, how did you come up with that idea first? And secondly, um, what was the driving force behind it? Well, it's actually my dad, my my dad, where we little town in, in, in Bassett, Pennsylvania, and we had lost mom, and, and I couldn't keep track of him, so I, I bought the place across the road and, and moved him in so I could watch him, and and he would come over for coffee every day, and, of course, I'd go over there, and, and he never got the chance to travel those places, but he, every time i come home from a trip, boy, he would be just like, oh, you got to tell me about it. you got to tell me about it. I mean, he would sit there like a kid at Christmas time, and, and then when he passed on, it was like, oh man, you talk about a void. I mean, my dad was my best friend. That was, uh, um, and I was having, a, I was really having trouble dealing with it. And I was looking through, and at the same time, I was like, okay, you know, I shot all these animals and bass would say, well, what hunt you're going on or Winchester, you know. And so I had no rhyme or reason why I was, I was going or choosing the next hunt. And I looked through the Safari Club list and I go, Holy geez, there's 55 animals on their list. There, there's more bears. They break, instead of one white tail, like on the Boone and Crockett, they break it down to nine species. And I go, man, that, that would be quite a, quite a feat to do that. And it would give me a rhyme or reason why I went on the next hunt. And, and so I started putting it together and I figured <clears throat> trying to get a sponsor to sign up for three years is one thing. Trying to get him to sign up for five years, that's another story. No <laughs> doubt about it. You know, and, and, uh, and, Next thing you know, we we were on our way, you know, and that 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 kept me so occupied because I was on the road 275 to 300 days a year, and Sheila being you know back in the home front, you know, and making airplane reservations and you know and all those things that she did, and 
and being a very independent lady at the same time, uh, she was still there at the end of the five-year quest. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. She's an angel. You know that. Yeah, she's your angel. So which yeah, one of those yeah. which one of those eighty species was the most difficult to get? A wolverine. Oh yeah. Yeah. Boy, I would yeah, tell yeah. I seen I seen I seen that on the list and I go, Well, I said at that time I'd only ever seen two and I couldn't have shot either one of them. So, you know, I started asking outfitters, I go, you know, and, and, and wound up Lance Goodwin's father used to live trap them. And I got a hold of Lance, and he goes, yeah, he says, I think we can make that happen. And I left the day after Christmas. We got snowed in for four days, couldn't even leave. And and I got 15 minutes of actual Wolverine before I actually shot him. <clears throat> and then uh, we our, our game plan is if we couldn't shoot one, we were going to trap one. I was going to talk about, you know, hunters didn't stand up for trappers, and they've lost a lot of, a lot of ground. And so we trapped one also. So I could I could have one for my home lodge, and then I donated obviously the the Bass Pro Shop. But yeah, the Wolverine, the Wolf, and the and the and, and the Lynx was probably what I figured was the three hardest. Wow, know? and I would have thought like some crazy other country, something like that. But right here in North America, and, and you know what, I agree, Ralph and I, with all the hunting we've done, we've seen two Wolverines, one in Alberta and one in Alaska. Yeah, I think we see. Well, I, I saw another one. Up in Alaska with Wade, so sure you did. Yeah, I did. Oh, okay. So yeah. we've seen three, three in all the years that we spent up there, and and, and neither one of them we could have shot. No. Yeah, it was. It was. I mean, I was. You talk about being ecstatic. Oh my goodness. Oh sake. yeah. I mean, and then talk about smart. He was. He he would he would go down and 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 hop up and stand up and smell the wind currents, and we had built like a half an igloo to stay out of the wind and waiting for him to come back to the kill. And, oh, was, oh my goodness sakes! I was ecstatic on it. Yeah. We'll be right back with more Ralph and Vicky's Off-Grid Podcast with your host, Pete Rogers. Ralph and Vicky's Off-Grid Podcast is brought to you by TrueGlow. TrueGlow is committed to providing their customers with innovative products containing quality and value-added features for archery, crossbow, and firearms. Now, anytime you shop at TrueGlow.com, you can enter a promo code OFFGRID20 and receive 20% off of your purchase. This is a special offer for our off-grid podcast listeners. How awesome is that? True Glow, when brightness counts, count on True Glow. Welcome back to Ralph and Vicky's Off-Grid Podcast with your host, Pete Rogers. We're coming to you from the Hunter's Blend Coffee Studio. Now, let's get back into this week's show. Yeah, yeah. you know what's crazy, too, is, you know, I, we, we watched one years ago, yeah, we and were brown bear hunting we up in Alaska. Bear hunting, yeah, and we watched. All of a sudden, we saw this movement. We we hurry up. We get the spotting scope on, on the other mountainside across the bottom. Yep, across we, the we were valley. glassing that that river for Remember brown that? bears, and we watched this little wolverine. And he way never over there. stopped. And he went all the way up the mountain, came down, went in the valley, came all the way up, did it like all three three different valley passes, and then we watched him never stop, come back. And we're sitting there going, and, and then I realized at that time, and I'm probably going to get in trouble for this, but he is the badass of the mountains. I mean, of of the woods. He is just he. There's a little guy that'll he'll he'll face a grizzly that's you know four times his five times his weight, and ten times. I mean, he's just he is tough. So, as someone who's never seen one, how big is a wolverine size wise, weight and everything? Six sixty seventy pounds? No. No, no, no. no. 35? Oh, really? Yeah, 30, 30, 35, 40 pounds. They are just mean. They they got claws and teeth. 
Mrs. C sat there and she says that uh, I asked her one time, I said, well, what's Ralph's middle name? She says, Wolverine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically, if you took Ralph and you put him in a line of people, he would be the Wolverine of them. Okay. Oh, my God. <laughs> kind of low to the ground, you know, claws, teeth, got a bad attitude, you know. Yeah, that it would be Ralph. Hey, we got a new nickname for you, Ralph. Yeah, and then now they're going to think me as that guy with the big claws. and No, the, no, he's tall. You can't see oh, him now, Bob. Wow. His face just turned red whenever yeah. we said that. He's blushing. Ralph's, Ralph's oh, blushing. My gosh. I'm glad we got that video so we can prove that. Yeah, great. Thanks. <laughs> oh, my gosh. No, Wolverines are so cool. When you actually get to see them, and like Ralph was saying, when we watched them on that, on that mountain ridge, it was insane. The, the amount of ground that he covered and the little amount of time that he did it, where it would have taken us the entire day to do so. Uh, I think two and, days. And, and then some. And he just and he would go and he would stop and he'd roll something over or else he'd just keep going and he was he was on a mission. For whatever reason, that's what he was doing. Well, Bob, I'm gonna segue into something else, and that is you've been in the industry for a long time and uh and you've seen a lot of changes in the industry through the years. What would you say is some of the best changes that have happened through the years and what are some things that we could probably improve on in the industry? Well, I can't go into detail on some of the best things that's happened in the industry because <clears throat> there's, it's actually went downhill. Uh, no, uh, one of the, one of the, I guess, uh, I, people ask on how you should act when you shoot an animal, and and I bring up three people, you know, in, in the seminar: Larry D. Jones, uh, Ted Nugent, and 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 myself, you know. And I said when Larry D. Jones shoot something, he takes his hat off and lays his hand on the animal and prays to God because he's a Christian and, and he allowed him to, to shoot one more animal. And and Ted Ted looks like he's on smack or something, even though he don't take drugs, but it, it's hard to say. And then, you know, I'm I'm in between and all depends on how much work or effort or maybe I lost my dad or, you know, my mother or something. So emotion comes in in the play. And sometimes I, I smile, sometimes I laugh, sometimes I cry. All depends on the, the mood I happen to be in. Or and, and I said, if it's real coming from the heart, everybody can see it's real. And that's okay. But when you put all this fake stuff into it, then then it becomes fake. And, and that's, I guess, one of my pet peeves in the industry. It's you know, it's not, it's not real anymore. It's, uh, people don't have the respect for the game. It's all about, you know, how, how stupid I can look in front of this camera trying to make people believe I'm actually excited, you know? Well, yeah. And, and what I think they do, uh, you know, and, and it's so important for them to tell their audience that, Hey, listen, I just filled this tag. Now I'm going over here or I'm, and now then I'm going to go over here and then I'm going over here. You know, they're throwing it in the, in, in the viewer's face to say, listen, th- this is why I'm so great. And the reality of it is, is they're not woodsmen. They're not hunters. They're shooters. And, and, and they've lost the, the, the total aspect of what hunting and being in the outdoors is about. Um, you know, you know, and, and Bob, I agree with you. I think Vicky. I, I think brought, like like you hit it on the on the head there, like like your emotions, because I can think of numerous hunts depending on how it is. My my normal is a big smile with my hand over my face, and I don't know why, but I've always done that, and it and it's just it's it's a habit. It's just what I do, and I've done it since the first time I shot an animal. It's just how I react. But there's been so many times where, like you said, the difficulty of the hunt, the if something else is going on in my life. 
you know, it can be tears of joy. It could be just a very memorial. You can be very somber because of what you've done and someone that you maybe you lost or something else that goes on and why there's so much meaning behind it. But those emotions are what's supposed to come through, not some fake baloney stuff. Exactly. It's a, and, and, and a non-respect for, for game. And that goes Absolutely. back to, when I, like I said, when I first got started, I mean, and any of the old timers, uh, you know, they'd come by me and says, you know, oh, you didn't handle that right. Or you could be at a show and, and I mean, you, you know, you, you got out of line, maybe you had too much alcohol or whatever. And the old timers would feel comfortable and they felt, they felt a need to be able to talk to you because, Hey, you're re- representing companies here. You're representing the industry. And if you're going to make it a long time in this industry and trust me, Ralph and Vicky, we've seen, Lots and lots of people come and go. Absolutely. And they're trying to go to the top of the ladder before they, before they even got to the first run. You know, yeah. so they take shortcuts. And we watch people come and go because they've, they've tried to take shortcuts and, and not paid attention to the game laws. And, and I'm not talking, you know, five minutes of hunting. I'm, I'm talking about poaching game and, and trying to make, yes. you know, yes. make a name for themselves. And we've all, we've all, all watched them fall. And that, and that hurts us in the, in the long run. But at the same time, you deal with those individuals on an individual, you know, because it's still, it's still a great industry. It's still a great America. God bless America. And, you know, we got a, we got a president in there where we can honestly say Merry Christmas today. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. So if somebody was uh, just getting started today, Bob, in the industry, whether in television as a, as myself, as a writer or a photographer, or just someone who wanted to be in the industry and they came to Bob Folkrod and said, Bob, I want to get started and I don't want to make any mistakes. Of course we all do, but you know, I want to, I want to do this right. Can you give me your elevator pitch on how you would uh, advise that, that person? Well, I say every single hunt you go on, whether it's a squirrel, rabbit hunt, whether you're taking your, you know, your child hunt, or no matter what, write it down, make a make a logbook, and because uh, I get people all the time want to start, I want to start a TV show, and I go, why? Yeah. What are you going to yeah. do different? You know, I mean, seriously, what are you going to do different? You know, and then you're going to hunt deer, and you're going to hunt bears, and you're going to hunt turkeys, and you know, and it's and it's hard. I love hunting those animals, but when you're sitting in a tree stand, and you, you know, okay, that's an eight point, that's a ten point, that's a drop time, this is chasing a doe, this is in. It's hard to make. It's hard to make that deer hunt exciting. Not when we first got started, and like in Anderson's archery, like Ralph and you know said about that. Man, you couldn't you couldn't fit any more people. People was like they were just they wanted more information. How do you do this? And and today. Everybody wants to climb that ladder to the top, and I would say for them to stay loyal. But you know, a lot of the a lot of the people today, the manufacturers don't stay loyal. They yeah, they know right, that yeah. number game. They'll sponsor somebody for two or three years, and and then they'll jump on the plate to somebody that's hot. And I ask, you know, and and he fell by the wayside now, and a couple of people. But I've asked actually Johnny Moore. I said, would you want that? that young man to be your son or grandson. And he just, he looked at me and smiled. And I said, why is the industry allowing him on TV? <laughs> you know, is that, is that what we're trying to portray in the uh, hunting industry? I mean, I watched the three stooges growing up as a kid and laughed my butt off, <laughs> but I didn't want to be one of the three stooges. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess to paraphrase that, what you're telling the, the new guy or gal who's coming into the industry or who wants to is, is be loyal to yourself, be humble, make sure that uh, what you're doing, you're doing it for the right reasons. 
Yeah, be yourself. I mean, I can't be Ralph, and obviously I can't be Vicky, but I can be Bob Folkrad <laughs> better than anybody in the whole world. And if people like me, they like me. And if they didn't, then you go by the wayside. But you got to keep yourself real, and it's going to take, guess what? You know, it's going to take you a lifetime. I've been in the industry for 40 years, and it took me a lifetime to, to get here. And that's one thing, too, passing on knowledge. It doesn't do any good for me to, to, to die and have all this knowledge and not pass it on. And and today, um, you know, you do a seminar today, and, and you, you know, I'm not exciting as, as, as some of the people out there today, and they don't come and ask, they don't ask questions. I mean, when I was a kid, even in hunting camp, there could be an old guy in hunting camp, and I'd say, what's in your pack? You know, why are you carrying this? Why are you doing this? And I still do it today, you know, because I want to learn from him. And, boy, the social media today, it's like <laughs> they think once they get on there, they got all the answers. But once I hunt with them, they're, they're done. Insta-famous, insta you, you know what I mean? And, you know, somebody shoots a big buck, and they, they have no history of, of, you know, doing anything prior. <laughs> you, you, you know what I mean? Yeah, but, yeah. but because it's a, a, a big animal, you know, they get a 1,000 likes. And, and all of a sudden, like you said, they, it goes to their head. And when it goes to their head, guess what? Destruction will follow. Exactly. Exactly. Everybody's got an ego of some sort, but yep. you you got to be able to control it. You know, you got to be able to pass it on. You know, I mean, we stand at a show, Ralph and Vicky, and people come up and they go, you know, what did you shoot last year? Oh, I had a good year, but they really want to talk about what they got. So yes. you turn oh, around absolutely. and say, well, how was your year? And oh boy, you can just see their eyes sparkling because they wanted, they wanted to tell you a story, but they didn't know how to break into that conversation. Well, and as, as, as for me, as, as uh, someone who, you know, looks up to people who've done this, and I, of course, I've been in the industry for a long time. I know how intimidating Ralph and Vicky are. Uh, <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> But but for a lot of people, it's like it's like the one people they see on television are their measuring rod, and and I've never killed a hundred and seventy inch buck. But if I've killed something that is good for me, I want somebody else to be happy for me to acknowledge, right? Besides my family, you know. And so when we can talk to somebody that we look up to and say, "Hey, look what I did," and they and they're ha- and they're genuinely excited for you, it makes you feel good about what you've done. You know, I think everybody likes likes to have that. So, Bob, we're getting really close to the uh, to the end of our time slot here. So, uh, first, I want to thank you for what you've for what you've done and, and uh, for, for all jo- of us, buddy. Yeah, for for the for the industry, what you've done for the um, you know for hunting and fishing across North America and the world. We really appreciate that. I'm going to jump into this lightning round now. I'm going to ask you a bunch of questions, and you just give us the first answer. Some of these are pretty easy. I'm going to give you some softballs to get started here. Okay, so, uh, but just give us your first answer, and, and then when we get done with that, we'll we'll bring it to the close, okay? All right, sounds fun. All right, here, all right, here's an easy one. Do you prefer hunting or fishing? Oh, hunting, yeah, yeah. People ask me, since you've hunted and fished your whole life, what are you going to do when you retire? And I go, fish and hunt. <laughs> Archery or firearm? Uh, my true love is archery. Okay. Camouflage or flannel? Oh, red flannel, yeah. I knew that was going to be we your knew answer. It. I knew that was your we answer. We knew it. Tree stand or ground blind? Spot and stock first, but then I would probably choose a, a ground blind because I'd have I'd have one of my grandkids in there with me. Awesome. <laughs> so how long does it take you to get ready to go hunting? Oh, 
uh, I can walk out the door. I'm, I'm always ready. I got all my bags packed. <laughs> awesome. almost. Any hunt, any, any hunt that <laughs> might come up. And, you know, and, and just a few years ago, I was actually I was actually on a coyote hunt, and a guy got hurt, and he says, uh, "Can you be ready to go on a desert sheep hunt in seven days?" Uh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> he has a to-go bag just yeah, ready to yeah, pack. Absolutely. Just yeah. What age did you kill or catch your first animal? Well, my first animal was actually, uh, you know, probably six years old when my dad, he was a fox hunter, and he would run his hounds, and he'd drop me off at a pond, and, and I was shooting frogs and stuff like that, and a woodchuck came out of the hole, and I shot the woodchuck, and uh, I mean, I was a hunter. Yeah, how about that? That's Love cool. It. That's cool. On a scale of one to ten, how good of a shot are you? Uh, I would, I would, I would, oh my goodness sakes, uh, there's always room for improvement, so I'd say an eight. Do you prefer cake or pie? Pie. Mountains or prairies? Mountains. When I say Ralph and Vicky, what's your first thought? A happy couple. Aw. Name one of Snow White's seven dwarfs. Snoopy. <laughs> <laughs> Snoopy. <laughs> we'll have to look and see if that is one. Okay. <laughs> What's your favorite? I'm not sure that's what it was. Grumpy, I can't remember. (laughs) What's your favorite ice cream flavor? Uh, Vanilla. Deer jerky or summer sausage? Uh, Summer sausage. Are you afraid of snakes? Yes. Star Wars or Indiana Jones? Indiana Jones. Of course. What did you drive in high school? Uh, A Jeep. Coffee or tea? Coffee. All right, give us your best turkey gobble. <laughs> All right, two more. Not very good. Perfect. <laughs> it was perfect. Bear it with me when I, when I go hunting turkey or Jerry Martin. You there know? you go. Yeah. Exactly. What's your favorite movie of all time? Lonesome Dove. Oh, good. Hey. All right, last one. What's your favorite outdoor book? Oh my goodness sakes! Uh, so many. I can't remember the name of it. <laughs> Who wrote it? Do you know that? No. Okay. Really stuck with you, didn't it? <laughs> he's yeah, read, he's yeah. read so many. He's yeah. like, I've read and I've written, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, Bob, thank That's you. The so- second thing, uh, and I, that, you know, it says your memory losses, you know. Oh, buddy. I can't remember, and I can't remember the first thing either, you know. Bob, thank you so much for joining us. It, it's been it's been really good for me just to sit back and listen to you guys just reminisce about the about the good old days and about how things have changed and and some of the adventures and exploits that y'all have done together and individually. And we we really appreciate you taking the time to join us today. So um, um, if uh, you want to share with the listeners how they can get a hold of you if you would like to or how to find out more about Mr. Bob Folkrod, I think it's bobfolkrod.com. Is that correct? Yep, yep. And they can, uh, you know, they go to my Facebook thing, or and um, I got my private page is uh, Bob Folkrod Hunting Legends. They can watch the old shows and new shows, and 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 you know, try to stay up with it. You know, we can actually reach more people on on uh, social media today than we can on the, the networks. You know? Yep, for yeah, sure. I know. I know. Hey, Bob, I just personally want to tell you, it it has been a true honor and a privilege and a blessing for 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 me myself to and be me. able to, to and Vicky, but. To, just to call you a friend, you, you know, you you helped me starting out, and and I'll I'll always be indebted to you for that, and and I just want everyone to know that you you are truly one of my legends. Well, Ralph and Vicky, we've uh, we've known each other for a long time, and and it's been one of the things I can say I'm I'm proud to call you friends, and I'm proud the way you've conducted yourself in the industry, and 
and uh, you know, and that's the way that's the way it should be, and that's why you you and folks have lasted a long time because you're doing it right. Thank you. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. Well, Bob, thank you again for joining us. We really appreciate it. And I'm just going to wrap it up on that. And, yep. And, uh, and just, uh, again, if you want to get a hold of them or see what Bob's up to, just go to bobfolkrod.com. And, uh, um, you know, tune in next time here uh, with Ralph and Vicky's Off Grid Podcast. I'm your host, Pete Rogers, and we hope that you've enjoyed this uh, this show. And there's a lot more episodes to come. If you haven't subscribed to our, our podcast, please do. And thanks for listening. Ralph and Vicky's Off Grid Podcast is proudly brought to you by Browning. Not all guns suit everyone perfectly, but there is a perfect Browning shotgun for you. Browning, the best there is. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you come back again for more Ralph and Vicky's Off-Grid Podcast with your host, Pete Rogers.